Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Drabblecast, episode 252. The Drabblecast is a weekly audio fiction magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. So, it's H.P. Lovecraft Tribute Month. And why give a whole month of stories in honor of some dude whose name sounds like a common, almost ubiquitously diagnosed venereal disease? Because H.P. Lovecraft is generally recognized as none other than the godfather of weird. And we, the Drabblecast, are of course your number one source for stories of the strange. We like the word weird around here. Genre words like sci-fi or fantasy or horror can sometimes come with baggage, expectations. But stories are just stories as far as we're concerned. Some are effective, some aren't. Some are just more of the same and some are not. Those are the ones we like. Lovecraft did just a little bit to get a whole bunch going. Like other fellow first-name abbreviators, J.R. Tolkien, J.K. Rowling, C.S. Lewis, D.J., Jazzy Jeff, M.R., Rogers. What a special friend you are. He too created worlds and rapped about them fluently in train language. You know who I am? This is Fred Rogers. How about some make believe about musical instruments and hoes? Yeah. Hello? Yeah. Hello? Just making some popcorn. Just making some popcorn. Yeah. Hello? Yeah. Hello? Milk. That's a statement, not a fact. And moreover, he inspired others to play in the universe he created. He may not have written The Raven or Tom Sawyer, but how much Tom Sawyer fanfic do you see being written out there today? Not a whole lot. I hope, because that kind of ruins my argument. Lovecraft didn't invent weird fiction, but he's just old and dead enough for us to celebrate him for it anyways. And he did do a lot for speculative fiction. You'll see us pointing out various aspects signature to the man this month. For example, this week we're looking at cults. Let's listen to a drabble. Drabbles are stories exactly 100 words. Send yours into submissions at drabblecast.org. This week's drabble is called Breakroom Cult, and it comes to us from Richard Cassidy. Richard's a med student at Edinburgh University, who just finished up a Bachelor's of Medical Science in Immunology, and he's about to start clinicals in September. So I guess, try not to get sick for a while if you live in Edinburgh. Or really anywhere, because getting sick sucks. If you're into RTS game development and you live next to Edinburgh, Rich is having a game jam with real cash money prizes on the 22nd and 23rd of September. Check out the link to the Game Development Society in our show notes. 
Rob hurried through the staff room door. Sorry I'm late, I I must have missed the memo. Thirteen cowled heads turned to stare at him. One, the headmaster he recognized, stepped out of the circle and walked over toward him. Um, am I missing something here? muttered Rob, confused. This is a private meeting, Rob, replied the headmaster in a kindly tone. If you wouldn't mind... He gestured toward the door. As the door swung shut behind him, he heard the headmaster intone, And the cost of the new coffee machine shall be split amongst the faithful. Yep, it's one thing to discover some arcane truth by yourself, another to uncover a whole sect of people that have been secretly and anciently worshipping that truth since who knows when, right? So for our feature story this week, we bring you The Elder Thing and the Puddle People by S. Boyd Taylor. S. Boyd Taylor's been published in such markets as Cheezine, Orson Scott Card's Intergalactic Medicine Show, and The Drabblecast. He lives in Dallas, Texas with his wife and daughter, where he pursues many strange and wonderful hobbies, such as meditation, tai chi, and singing along as loud as he can to the Beatles' Hello Goodbye. The story is read to you by armchair Sasquatch enthusiast and armadillo wrangler Hananel Mavity. So come on in out of the rain and peel off them galoshes. Without further ado, we bring you The Elder Thing and the Puddle People by S. Boyd Taylor. Want to go outside, Mama? Gwenny said, and to show how much she wanted it, she jumped up and down three times while holding the door handle. She'd already put on her green galoshes with the smiley frog faces on them, but she hadn't changed out of her purple princess dress with all the glitter and lace. She didn't want to change. She was a princess today, and she was prepared to throw a screaming fit to stay one. Gwenny, it's still raining. There's still lightning. My puddle, Mama. Puddle people want to play. She jumped up and down three times again. Mama came to the door, turned Gwenny around, and gave her a kiss on the forehead. You and your imaginary friends. You love that puddle so much. Why that one puddle? Not imaginary. Puddle people want to play. Gwenny the storm. But already the rain was slowing. All right. How do you ask? Please, Mama. Well, let's put your raincoat and hat on. From the Confessions of Eirdra the Heretic, 500th generation of the people of the lake. The cycle did repeat, and events did come to pass just as the great book says. Would that I could have stopped them. Upon the coming of the rain and the reawakening of the Karat race, the Elder Thing returned to us and squealed its sky-splitting squeal and waded in among us. It came with the green feet that had eyes and mouths and with the yellow rubbery outer skin and with the lace and the glitter. Oh, the horrible, horrible glitter. 
and it towered above our vast ocean, terrible and terrifying, bodies stretched onto the sky. And we raised our tentacles to it and begged for its benevolence, for its patience, and for the kindness it so rarely shows. High Priest Framok declared our prayers a success when it danced into the middle of the ocean, and we launched leaf ships, each crowded with hundreds of the faithful, to visit it and dance with it even as the rain became heavier again. Many perished in overturned leaves, hit by falling water or the splashes of its feet. But we heard the laughs and the screeches of our god, the Elder Thing, and we thanked it for killing so few of us. Half a generation passed in peace before the Elder Thing toppled and fell on its side and began to scream. None of us could see what had caused the fall, and a warship was sent to find the trouble, hoping that swift vengeance would save the thing's fury. But alas, this was not to be. It rose up, and the water fell from its eyes like rain, and the great keening was heard from it that always presaged great destruction. The king of us all, the great Corona, raised a wailing inside himself and said unto us, Eek! And there was much panic, and the masses fled to the shores and screamed and cowered. But the high priest for Mach responded with a decree, read aloud at the temples of all the four corners of the ocean that read, As described in the first acts of the unbelievers, our God is angered with us. Only a sacrifice of a youngling will appease its immeasurable wrath. Lotteries shall be held forthwith to determine who shall be offered up to save us all. The lottery was scheduled in every city and every village, and the people of the four corners wept and thrashed their tentacles and gnashed their beaks at the unjustness of having a god that demanded such sacrifice. But the great Karuna defended the high priest at length, declaring, Um, yeah, what he said. So they held their lotteries soon after. Chosen was Merka, hatchling of my fiftieth egg. When they pulled her at last from the lottery pits, Merka fell to her knees and prayed as if this were a blessing, with her tentacles clasped together and held on high, singing the praises of the great elder thing. God is great, gave us the ice cream cake. But I cried aloud, and I threw myself through the crowds and wrapped my arms about her and screamed, No! Flee with me! This is madness! Of all the eggs I had lain, hers was the most beautiful, opalescent and blue and transparent enough to watch her grow inside, and I could not part with her. I would not, but they pried my arms away, and I listened, weeping as she turned and explained to me as if I were a new-hatched child. Mother... This is a great honor, and you should not stop me. I go to meet our God, the Elder Thing, creature of both joy and rage. I have long prayed for a chance to meet it. I hope only that my sacrifice will save others, and that I will be remembered through the generations. No, I told her. That thing is no god. It is a fickle monster hatched from pain and fury. I won't let you go. I won't. Come with me and we shall flee. But the guards held me firm and hauled me further away, and my daughter averted her many eyes from me, and her tentacles sagged with disappointment in me. And she did not flee. She did not even comfort me. Mother, 
she said. You speak in a heresy of the darkest and most forbidden kind. You must turn your heart away from this bleakness of spirit, or there will be no room for you in the great plastic dream house when you die. There is no dream house, and there are no Barbie and Ken either, I screamed. This is all one great lie. And she walked toward me, and I smiled, knowing that with her help and her youth and strength, we could break free. But then she slapped me across my beak. As I blinked away the tears, she turned away from me and began singing again, and I knew I had lost. I was held for heresy, and my trial was swift. Just a moment or two of me screaming at the magistrate and denying the kindness of our God and the existence of anything plastic. The judge turned up his beak at me and declared my words disgusting and had my beak bound. I was then taken under guard unto the great northern mountain, site of sacrifice to the elder thing, to be offered up in an apology to the great one. I had heard the tales of the heretics before, and I knew how this game was played. As soon as I was near to the altar, and within sight of my daughter, I fell on my hands and knees and proclaimed that I had been given a divine vision, and that now I knew the error of my ways. They did not trust me, of course, but this was an imitation of a story directly from the great book, and they had to listen. Heretic! High Priest Vermach yelled. What can you possibly do to prove your loyalty to your god? Let me sacrifice her, I said. Let me cut her squiggly scooch with my own hands and offer it unto the great one, unto the lace and the terrible, terrible glitter. Let me prove my newfound faith to the elder thing and to you. There was a murmur of approval from the guards and the nobles nearby, for I had recited the words almost perfectly from the great book. And the king of the four corners, the great Karuna, said, Um, yeah, what she said. And I fell then upon my knees and raised my hands toward the great one and said, O oh, great one, these heretics do not believe your one true servant. If I am untrue, cast me out of your great plastic dream house when I die, but give me one last chance to prove my loyalty to you. Our God had calmed itself, and its great, disgusting pink face lowered to watch us, and then the two unnatural blue eyes gleamed. High Priest Vermach stepped forward and raised his censer and declared, Surahal, mother of the chosen sacrifice, I anoint you with the holy duty to offer sacrifice unto our God, to appease its wrath and to save the people of the vast ocean and the four corners from destruction. Be swift in your judgment. For Mock began to dance the silly dances and walk the silly walks for our God, and it did laugh. For Mock had many hundreds of children and had aged faster than me, and his tentacles were stiffer and slower, and every moment was so slow it seemed unreal. And in his many eyes there was a panic, an urge to the rest of us to speed things along. The great Kahuna ran to me and placed the holy pokey, the glass knife of sacrifice, in my hand and said unto me, Eek! and retired. I turned then and raised the knife high over my daughter, 
and I saw the twin and terrible eyes of our Lord watching closely, and I said unto them, You monster! You cannot have her! I ran toward the elder thing then, and the high priest and the guards, all but the great Kruhuna, who had already left, pursued me, and I leapt upon its nose, and they fell back in horror, wailing and praying for forgiveness. But the elder thing's eyes crossed, trying to watch me, and its panic rose swiftly. It reared back from the mountain and screamed, and the sound so close and so loud it shook the jelly inside me. Far below I could see the smiling faces on its green feet stamping through the water, sending towering waves of destruction unto the four corners. One ate the foundation of the great northern mountain, and a landslide raged down the slope, burying both high priest Framak and the great Kruhuna, but toppling my beloved Mirka into the water. I stared hard after her and thought for many moments that she had died, but then she bobbed back up and swam to the shoreline. But the elder thing saw her too, and wailed again its terrible angry wail and slammed its hand into the ground, missing her by only a beak's length. I screamed again and then yelled, No! No, you will not harm her! You will turn yourself around! And I stabbed the holy pokey into our god's nose, deep into the pink flesh, lashing out against the unjust heavens. I drove that dagger deep. I relished our god's screams, how mighty, how terrible they were, and I had caused them. The elder thing shook its head and I fell down into the water, but our god fled from the wound I inflicted, and I do not think it will return soon. Know this, my people. I alone drove the elder thing back. Together, we can overcome the beast forever. And that was our story. Hope you enjoyed. That's not rain. That's just God slaughtering a big f***ing cloud. Think about that next time you're stuck in a puddle. Try not to crush your followers, only your dissenters. Oh, and speaking of followers, Twitter. You're probably on it, right? If you're not, you've joined just to follow us, right? Right? We have a weekly 100-character story writing contest that we run from there. This week's winner is Duchess Alyssa, and her story, exactly 100 characters, not counting spaces, is as follows. The kneeling man offered the small box to the woman he loved. Oh no, said Pandora. I'm not falling for that one again. Awesome. I'm telling you, it's an art. Drabbles, twabbles, which words, which characters should be cut. It's the old block of marble in your Michelangelo. Go sculpt a masterpiece. Send it into submissions at drabblecast.org or post it in our discussion forums at forums.drabblecast.org. And follow us on Twitter at the Drabblecast. So that's our show, folks. Remember, Drabblecast is produced with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means don't change or sell it. But feel free to share it all you like. Write us a review on iTunes or wherever you pick up our show. Blog about us. Tell a friend. Spread the weird. Special thanks to our kick-ass episode artist this week, Matt Wasiella. Matt and his wife have an Etsy store where people can see and maybe purchase his paintings. Find Dystopian Eugenics CO on Etsy. 
So our program is brought to you by myself, Nikki Drade, managing editor, our submissions editor, Nathan Lee, editor-at-large, Matthew Bay, our art director, Bo Kyer, and with additional help from Tom Baker, David Carvin, David Steffen, Jake Webb, and Jonathan McNeil. We'll see you next week, weirdos. Until then, this is Norm Sherman reminding you, this is a private meeting, Rob. If you wouldn't mind. What a special friend you are. You know who I am? This is Fred Rogers. How about some make-believe about musical instruments and hose? Yeah. Hello? Yeah. Hello? Just making some popcorn. Just making some popcorn. Yeah. Hello? Yeah. Hello? Milk, bananas, yogurt, and apple. I like to eat cheese. Do you? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I like to eat cheese. Do you? Do you? Read about that in the Bible. Yes. Sure. I remember one time, I remember one time, some of our neighbors, some of our neighbors look like raccoons. Certainly, certainly. And they made up a dance. Right away. Feed my fish. Feed my fish. Grapefruit, cauliflower, eggplant. Raccoon. Furry and brown. Furry and brown. Yes, I did that with Papa. Hello? Broccoli, broccoli. Smell so good. Hello? Broccoli, broccoli. All right. Fine. Have you lost your kitty? Well, I have her. I have her. Oh, thank you for telling us. Thank you for telling us. Furry and brown. Furry and brown. Thank you for telling us. Thank you for telling us. Furry and brown. Furry and brown. Yogurt. Feed my fish. Feed my fish. Did you see how many sticks I brought today? Three. Three sticks. Each one of them as a whole, right in the middle, and I'll show you what's going to fit in that hole. It's in my pocket here. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.